I remember hearing about the sport of spike ball when it was on Shark Tank, uh, right when it first started. Now it has evolved into something even bigger. So what better to do than to bring on somebody who has some knowledge of the sport, a professional spike ball player. I've got Jarrett Rouse on the show today on the Game Time Guru. So what time is it? Game Time Guru! If you're sick of the mainstream sports outlets, well, so was I. So I started my own show. I'm Shane Larson, and this is the Game Time Guru. It's different than other talk shows. I'm providing a panoramic view on sports so you can see them through a different lens. So buckle up and let's go. Yo, what's up, everybody? Shane Larson here, host of the Game Time Guru podcast. Before we get started, make sure you hit that subscribe button on whichever device you're listening on. All right, hit the subscribe button so you can listen to all the future episodes, get the notifications when they come out, and make sure that you're uh, going back and listening to any of the, the prior episodes as well. We've had some great interviews on this show. Today, we've got Jarrett Rouse, professional spike ball player, and we're going to learn a ton about the sport, a ton about how it's evolved in just the last couple of years since we first saw the the sport on Shark Tank where it became really, really famous. So you're going to like this one. So don't don't turn this off yet. Make sure that you're listening to the full episode. Now, a couple housekeeping items. I already told you to subscribe to the show, but I also want to remind you guys, if you want to get paid to listen to the show, one of the apps that you can subscribe on is called Podcoin. It's a free app, okay? Free app. Make sure to go listen on Podcoin. Uh, you can get paid to listen to the show. So subscribe to it on Podcoin. Download it on your Android or your iPhone, and then uh, you get paid to listen to the show. They'll pay you in gift cards. So check that out. Also, I told you guys last week that I am currently reading the book Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins, and I'm listening to it as an audiobook because it's easier for me to you know focus and pay attention when it's an audiobook. I can listen while I'm you know going on a walk uh, or taking my dogs for a run, whatever it may be. Same reason I love podcasts, right, because I can just listen to it. Um, I had it on Audible, so I have my Audible trial and my Audible subscription, so I'm listening to it there. If you guys want to do the same thing and you have a book you want to listen to, but you haven't downloaded Audible yet, make sure to get your Audible free trial. You can get one through me uh, by going to audibletrial.com slash thegametimeguru. So if you just wanted to check it out, check out the app, uh, do a free trial, go to audibletrial.com slash thegametimeguru. Now, guys, we've got Jarrett Rouse coming onto the show to talk about Spikeball, which is not even the name of the sport, and you'll learn about that here in just a second. Do not turn this off. Make sure you stay tuned for the entire episode. Super dope. First time here uh, having a, a professional spike ball player on the show. We're doing our best to deliver a panoramic view on sports. So please uh, check it out and uh, let us know what you think. What's up, everybody? This is the Game Time Guru podcast. For all the new listeners out there, if you're Jared's friends, family, whoever, and any of my new listeners who found me through social media or word of mouth, welcome to the show. Uh, today we've got Jared Rouse on the show to talk about spike ball. Uh, it started as a backyard game, and so I am super excited to hear about this sport and the evolution of it. So, Jared, thanks for joining the show. Yeah, Shane, thank you so much for having me. Can't wait to shed some light on the sport that is Spikeball. And actually, some fun facts you might not even realize is that the company itself that does all the main product and sponsoring is Spikeball, but the, the actual name of the sport is RoundNet. So we can even dive into awesome. that some more. So it's going to be fun to talk about. For sure, man. That's This is why I love bringing on guests like yourself, man, because we all learn something new. So we're going to get into that. Now, uh, to get into your background, Jared, I just wanted to kind of give a little background on the sport. I remember, like I said, it was on Shark Tank, and they were trying to get some funding for it to get it to evolve. And I remember my friend actually uh, buying a spike ball net, a spike ball set, and we were playing 
up in McCall, which is up in the mountains here on the 4th of July. And people are like, what is that game? That was just like four years ago. And now it's evolved. It's even onto ESPN, ESPN2. And um, you've been able to take part in some of those tournaments that have been, you know, nationally broadcasted. So I want you to kind of give us a background on, you know, yourself and the sport. But first, let's start Roundnet. Roundnet's the name of the sport? Yes. So I want you to imagine, like, you're you're Wilson or you're Rawlings and you're making a baseball, you're making a baseball glove, but the sport itself isn't called Wilson or Rawlings. So for spike ball, yes, it started off as a backyard sport. So it's just this company making a product, but now when we try to, or they try to make it into a big time, real time sport, then you get those issues of having your name being the sports name and the product name. So, it got into one of those issues, kind of like a just your branding type thing, like Kleenex or Coca-Cola. Now Coke, every soda is known as Coca-Cola. So it can be a good thing. It can be a bad thing. But just from a branding perspective and developing as a sport, they wanted to differentiate just the product and also the sport name. So they be, they came up with RoundNet as the actual game's name. So if you watch it on ESPN, it might not be super clear, but they'll say the spike ball round net national championship. So they're, they are the company that's hosting it because they're, and then the sport itself is called round net. So that is more of a newer development over the last uh, few years that they've really differentiated the name of the sport and the name of the product. Well, it totally makes sense. Like, as you're saying that I'm sitting here next to my basketball and it's a Wilson I wouldn't call it a Wilson, like I'm on Castaway. It's it's a basketball. So that totally makes sense, 100%. So I appreciate you kind of like breaking that down and, you know, sharing that with us because I understand it now. And uh, I kind of want to know your background, Jarrett, in, in sports. Before you started playing spike ball or round net, have you, uh, what was your, your background? Did you play any traditional sports before you went over to round net? I was always playing something growing up, uh, multiple sports throughout my childhood. I started off, I guess I was just give you everything. I started off pretty young, like five, six years old. I was doing some gymnastics while I was also doing some t-ball. And then from there, I played baseball my whole life. I'd also um, mixed in soccer, competitive swimming. Um, and then again, baseball my whole life. So I continued playing that in high school. I played football in high school. And then in college, I played baseball. And then after I graduated, that's when I started to really start get into some spike ball so when did you first hear about spike ball was it just something that you saw people playing and you decided hey i just want to get into this to keep moving around and stay competitive and uh basically jared what drew you to it and when did you first see it yeah so i went to westmont college it's in santa barbara california and i'm on the baseball team there and one of these days just walking down campus i see this group of guys playing in front of the library and i'm like what is that that looks just so fun I had never seen it before. So I went up and asked them and kind of learned the basics. And then over my four years, we had got one set and just all the guys in my class, we would go down to the beach on beach days or whatever that we didn't have practice or after practice. And we'd mess around and play. And a couple of us were pretty good and pretty athletic because baseball translates pretty well. And I can get into that later, what just other sports compare to it. But it translates pretty well. And just being an athletic person, it was a lot of fun to hit the ball around, dive on the sand, and try to get those rallies that you love to watch. So I just I played it kind of casually in college, and then once I graduated, baseball was was over. 
And one of my teammates and I, who we thought we were pretty good, we're like, well, oh, we actually see that there's a tournament in Santa Monica. So we're like, let's just, let's do it. Let's sign up. We went down and competed. And you can tell how, like, there's a main handful of dudes that were already pretty into the scene and started it. And we're like, well, we got to try to get up to their level. And so it's just our whole process was after we graduated, we slowly started to get better, go to the tournament, see what the competition was looking like. And then we met some people from Santa Barbara that were really good. And we started training with them and our journey just basically to the top. So that, that was kind of how it happened. What would you say that spike ball or round net is a mixture of as far as traditional sports? You kind of referenced baseball a little bit, but for someone who's never seen the sport, what is spike ball a mixture of? Yeah, I'll give the full rundown if someone's never seen it right now. So <laughs> we have some more context, context as we go forward. And I'll just refer to it as, as spike ball unless I'm really talking about like the game itself. But so spike ball, if you want to imagine, it's kind of like a combination of volleyball and four square. They like to say that. So if you have teams of two and you have up to three hits between you and your partner, bump set spike, so to speak but you're just using one body part, so you're not touching it with both hands. It's bump, set, spike, and the spike is going onto the net. So it is a round net that sits about eight inches off the floor. It's about three inches, uh, or sorry, three feet in diameter. And it's this little round net trampoline-looking like structure that you're spiking the ball off of, and it's bouncing either as far or as uh, short as you make your hit, and you're trying to make it so the other team cannot return the play. So two on two, imagine your beach volleyball going across the net, but there's no boundaries. So you can go 360 degrees, which makes it so exhilarating, but also so hard. Because as you get better and better and further up in the level of play, people are able to hit it wherever they want. So now you have to be able to read them and move around and totally uh, run your booty off to get to a ball or if it's a deep ball or really dive maybe for a short ball that's a tricky shot man if you haven't seen spike ball for any listeners out there at, at a high level i encourage you to to go and youtube it because yeah it's fun to play in the backyard with just your friends and stuff but people who actually know how to play the game it is crazy some of the spikes you guys do the dives the moves that you guys make the the way that you essentially in a in lack of better term dig the ball it's just insane it's crazy it's a whole different ball game now i've noticed that spike ball you're in california you, you've played on the beach before i'm sure but uh, there's also grass and then i've seen people playing on courts before like a basketball court they have different surfaces just like tennis has like clay and you know grass courts and stuff i'm wondering like have you played on them all? Do you have any preference of what's your favorite and what's your least favorite surface? Yes, you play on all different surfaces. It also depends on the venue uh, that the tournament is now is hosted at. So my favorite surface is sand. There's You're going to get a lot of arguments between people in the community uh, that play. I personally love sand because it is easier on the body. Yes, it's harder to move uh, and maybe run down a ball. But I love to dive and not feel like I'm hurting my body. <laughs> so sand's my personal favorite. But we will play tournaments, for the most part, on grass or turf as well. And you're going to actually find the majority of games played on grass or turf because not if you're not on the West Coast or maybe the East Coast, you're not playing on sand for the most part. So you're going to have the majority of the population playing on either grass or turf. So grass is really fun. It's still forgiving. You can get 
threw a lot more balls because you wear cleats. You can run a lot faster. Same with turf. Um, when I play with turf, though, I always wear knee pads or I like to even wear long pants just because turf burn is a real thing. <laughs> um, I really do love playing on court, like in a racquetball court, for example. Like there's variations you can play. I've never played a tournament in a racquetball court, but playing in a space where you can play off of walls just makes it super fun. That's just a little variation we love. And I know they filmed the college national championship, some of those games indoors. And I knew that was due to the inclement weather. So ideally we're not playing on court for big tournaments, uh, but it has been done. And especially even now in uh, the UK, some of those, some of the countries over there are putting on bigger tournaments now. And we just, I just had a, my old partner just traveled across the country to play in a, international tournament and their tournament was on court so it was just it's interesting you can pretty much play on any surface i wouldn't recommend asphalt that would just hurt <laughs> <laughs> but pretty much anything and for the most part now even international tournaments have been hosted on most different types of surfaces crazy man and now let's let's talk about what everybody wants to hear now is the professional side of things you're a professional spike ball player so we need to know how this works Jarrett. so how do you guys get paid is it through sponsorships and do you guys travel to different tournaments i guess like just tell us a little bit about the professional realm of spike ball and what how do you get to be considered a professional in this sport yeah great the professional side of it so again my journey in 2014 when i graduated college then i started playing uh, just more consistently and tried to me see if I could do this competitively. And then it was still building. Like you don't necessarily have the whole pro side of things. Like it's such a new sport still. And you have to realize like things are still kind of changing. We're still trying to fine tune. How can we make this watchable? How can we get more rallies? How can we create just a bigger fan base and get those sponsors? You need to be a professional sport. So as I'm growing, I'm getting better and better. Now I'm one of the top players. Um, to kind of put it in perspective, in by the end of, at the end of 2015, me and my partner got second at the national championship, and we we pretty much shocked the world on that one. And then 2016, we got third, and then another second. So it's kind of like I've I've been around the block, and I'm starting to get better as the time goes on win this sport. So last year was the first year they implemented a pro level for the national championship. And that's just the 16 best teams uh, in the country. And they did the tournament for that. But up to that, they had premier level and they still mainly do premier level. So if you have to qualify to be a premier player, so you have to play in a tournament in the advanced division and you have to get the, be the top two or top four players, depending on the tournament style will qualify for Premier. So once you qualify for Premier, you can play in the Premier divisions. And again, once you're Premier, certain qualifications for those national championships, you can become a pro player at the very end, just the best 16 teams. But pretty much you can consider any Premier player can kind of call themselves maybe more close to a professional uh, spike ball round net athlete. And we're traveling all over the country. So the, the spike ball round net association they host tournaments, East Coast, West Coast, Midwest, Southeast. You have your four regions. There's going to be four main tournaments during the year in each region, followed up by a regional tournament. So that's like your kind of 
pre-nationals. It's it's a big qualifier to get there, and then the national tournament, which rotates which region it is in every year. So it was in 2014 was really the first big national championship that they hosted, and that was in Santa Monica. Then I traveled to Nashville the year prior, the the next year um, for the tournament. Then it was in D.C. Then we had Chicago, which is where the company's actually headquartered. Uh, then it was back to SoCal. We had back to Santa Monica. And then this next year, it's going to be in Virginia. So super exciting. I travel all over the country, and it's really allowed me to see some really cool places that I'd never been before. Like, I had never been to Chicago. Now I've been there multiple times. Same with New York, doing it in Coney Island. Really just traveling all over, up and down. I've pretty much been... Uh, to a lot of really cool places because of this sport, which just uh, just speaks to a lot of a lot of that, which is is a lot of fun. Man, the thing about this is, is people would look at this sport when they first watch it, right? And they'll be like, "This is ridiculous," but it actually does require a lot of athleticism, a lot of training, a lot of skill, and just like any sport, it's taken you across to different places. You've been able to travel and see some amazing places through the sport of spike ball. So sports do allow you to travel. I I, I think it's super. It's super cool, man. Like it's it's providing you with extra opportunities in life to experience life, um, and also keep that competitive edge, wouldn't you say? Yeah, it's it's really cool how it's just taking you to those places. And I'll get more into the sponsorship thing, kind of like you said. I forgot to hit on that, but I will touch on one thing that's so great about Spikeball Around Ed is the community that plays. Like I travel around, I could literally hit up the community. They have an awesome app too. So if you wanted, if anyone wanted to download the app. Like ball app, it's great. You can find games, connect with people. Um, so you can always check that out. But you can go on the Spike Ball Roundnet Facebook page and become a member there. And you can just reach out. I can literally reach out to friends or just that page of anyone in any state and have a place to stay. Like the community is amazing. The people are amazing. And as you get kind of better, like I said, if you become one of those pro teams and you travel, I mean, more people are going to get to know you because if they follow the sport and they go, they like want to know the best players, and that's that's really cool. But you also can get sponsored by Spikeball, the company itself. So I've been sponsored by them the last four years now for being an elite player. So I will get some money to travel as part of that sponsorship. So they'll pay for some of the travel to go. Um, and, of course, we have to rep them on our jerseys and whatnot. Uh, and, and support them and their product. So there's like that little trade-off. And then I also just try to find local sponsors that might want uh, to help us out. And you have a lot of people, maybe like some family businesses help out. So it's still fairly new on the whole sponsorship game. Like we try to get sponsors. The company tries to get sponsors. Like Spikeball itself got like Chubby's. You probably heard of Chubby's, like the clothing oh, yeah. company, like to sponsor, and then like some like Dude Wipes and some other other companies like that that uh, we're trying just to get sponsors as we go on the East Coast. Like the Land Sharks Beer Company uh, sponsors a lot of stuff on the East Coast, so we're they're I mean they're trying. It's developing. It's that whole new sport vibe. Like we want to try to get sponsors because that's how you can really fund a lot of these things and make it more doable from a sport perspective, but there are, there are sponsorships. So I've, I've been sponsored the last couple of years. So that, that always helps with the travel um, and get to that next level. 
For sure. It, it's cool to hear that you're, you know, looking out for sponsors too. And that not only gives you opportunities, but it gives other businesses extra opportunities to, you know, get their names out there as they sponsor you guys. And, you know, they get some more brand awareness essentially. So these sports are providing opportunities for multiple, multiple sources, multiple businesses, and you you guys get the benefit of having them as a sponsor and helping with the payments and such and travel. Now you've, you've mentioned a couple of the places you've been able to play a couple awesome things you've been able to do. Jarrett, you were able to be on ESPN. I want to know what that experience was like. You're on ESPN playing spike ball. What was it like being on camera and, and having that, you know, I guess that spotlight on you for this sport and basically being the showcase for the sport of spike ball. It was, it was, uh, it was really cool. I'll say that. So they, Last year they implemented a couple of tournaments on ESPN, and then this year they filmed the college national, national or the national championship for the college players on ESPN as well. And I got to be on the first two last year, and it was interesting because just filming the sport and trying to introduce it in a way that pe- people could understand and kind of teach. So it was all a learning lesson for the company um, itself, especially, but for us. So the structure of the games were a little bit different. They only played the 15 instead of 21 just for TV time. Um, so that was all, that made the tournament a lot more interesting because we were playing against the 15, which takes a lot out of it instead of instead of 21. Right. But being on TV was great. I mean, I'm a competitor. I've competed in college and just my whole life. So I love that extra like okay pressure, I guess, perceived pressure, so to speak. I love to a little rise up to that occasion. So it was a lot of fun for me to be on there, but it definitely changes the tournament. And it's kind of like, how can we, this was kind of the test. Like, can we get people to watch this sport? Can we get people interested in this sport? And because it's still fairly new, maybe the knowledge isn't there. It's hard to respect a game you don't really know yet. Like imagine watching a baseball game you turn it on for the first time, you don't know any of the rules, you don't know anything, you're like, well, why should I support this game? Like, this is so, it's that whole process for the company of trying to get exposure, trying to get it out there. And like, people don't imagine, like, you just don't know, like, this game, and just think about that they had to pay a good chunk of change to get on there, because it's kind of like, that's what any sport starts, like, you're trying to hit up ESPN, be like, hey, can you show us, showcase our sport? And so, they did that. It's it's just growing. It's it's kind of trying to show it. I had a great time on there. And I will say an interesting uh, thing that happened this year with the sport is how we created, or not. I guess not. I didn't personally have any say in it, but there's a new rule that was implemented this year, and it's a double fault rule. So now if you miss the first serve, you have another serve, kind of like tennis. Ah, okay. which, which they're trying and they did some testing on it with some, with some data points on it. They think it's going to, it's creating more rallies because you have an extra opportunity to get a serve on. And ultimately the more rallies people really get into the game for the joy of that rally. And so uh, they, they were hoping that was, and statistically what they studied, they thought it would get more rallies. So this whole year has been interesting because now there's a double fault rule where I get two full serves. So if I hit the rim on the first one, I get another one. So you might have noticed that in the college national championship difference from the ones from last year. So trying to make it spectator friendly where you're not just missing a serve and then it goes to the next person, like that might not seem so interesting to someone watching. 
So we're hoping this double fault rule now kind of maybe can grow the game and maybe grow the spectator side of it even more because it makes it for more opportunities to get the ball on and then get rallies, which really why people love to watch. You're not wrong, though, because if you go to ESPN or you go to uh, YouTube, you can see some of the rallies and you guys are just flying all over the place. Like you'll dive in front of each other, dive over the net, sacrifice your body, make sure that the ball still stay in live. It's actually really entertaining. Do you have a specific rally, Jarrett, that sticks out to you? Like how long did it go? And you know, what, why, like any, any rally that you were a part of that was just really fun to remember? Yeah, there was a really fun rally I had um, in one of the, I think the Boston Grand Slam a couple of years ago, probably 2017. So traveling to Boston for this tournament, and it's one of our bracket play games. So we're in the bracket, we're cruising through, and this rally probably went three possession, three or four possessions on each side, and I had to run the ball down really far, sprint back to the net, dive over, use my left hand to get it on. And then there's bodies flying everywhere, and there's you had the body blocks, more diving. So it was just one of those insane rallies that went probably three or four possessions back and forth with you don't see too often. Uh, so those like really get your heart rate up. They're exhausting, but they're so exhilarating too. Like you don't want to be the one to mess up the hit or not get that next dig. Um, and I mean, you can find that one. I, be- I believe on YouTube, or I definitely posted it on my social medias, but there's a lot of really cool rallies you can find online. Oh yeah. If you go online and search a few of them, there there's some crazy ones. So we'll have to check yours out as well. Now, one thing to wrap up, Jared, we're we're here in the city of Meridian outside of Boise. I know um, for City League, the sport of spike ball has been brought up as far as like, should we add that to the City League sports, like flag football, basketball, softball, stuff like that that we do for City Leagues, um, and that's been brought up. But we don't really have any like tournaments or anything like out there. Like we'll ha- we'll have like charity events, and we see some people put together tournaments out in the park and stuff, but it hasn't really grown. So we don't really have any elite players around here in the Valley. My question for you is, do we have anybody who actually teaches the skills of spike ball and, or do you do that yourself? Like where can we go to find out more about the sport so that we can enhance our skills? And actually, if we wanted to continue competing at a high level, how can we do that? So as this, as this sport is growing, it's, you're going to see more of that coaching and those video mentalities for sure. Spike ball itself offers just little spike school videos, which are some basic tips so you can search those on youtube maybe type in like spike ball spike school and you can look at little videos there for just some some basic tips and then some of my good buddies who are just absolute ballers just came out with a huge video series called the pro spikers and this is a it's totally it's just the, ent- the entire video series is teaching you every little part of the game and how to be a pro and what they do and pretty much how to get to that next level. So that's a pretty cool thing that they created, um, all this content, and you could you have the ability to purchase that. And so if you really wanted to learn, if you want to make that investment, it'd be a really good investment to learn. But if you just ask, I would say also, like you need to play with better people to get better, to right. understand how you play, just with kind of like anything. So try, like, if you can, if there's a big tournament somewhere close to you, I highly recommend trying to travel out there and play in the tournament, even if you play in the intermediate division or advanced division. I mean, you're going to have really good competition, but let's say, yeah, even if you play in the intermediate division, 
great. Go play in it. Also watch the advanced, watch the premier players, and ask them questions. I have people come up to me all the time that ask me how to get better and how to do this, and I'm happy to help. And you have to, like, people are kind of afraid to approach people. But, again, the community is so nice. You don't have to be afraid. All these top players, all my good friends that are top players, like, we're happy to help. So if you ever wanted to reach out for advice, like, we happily get it. But that Pro Spikers is an awesome video. The Spike School Online can teach you some basic stuff. And then, again, I recommend just going, trying to go to a bigger tournament near you and find those better players and ask them what you can do, just at least the basics to get better and get to know them because the more you get to know the people in the community, just the more information you'll always get that way as well. For sure. And Jarrett, with the sport evolving and you competing at a high level, where do you see yourself in the next two to three years with the sport of spike ball? So I think in the next two or three years, people are, it's already, you're going to see it all over, at least in, before I am in California, Southern California, you already see it all over the beach now. Whereas before, we'd have a net and everybody be like, oh, what is that? But now you literally have nets all over. People know what it is now, which is great. You can see that exposure becoming. And now I think in the next two or three years, people are going to get to the point where maybe they do want to try to compete in the tournament. They're going to maybe try to watch on ESPN more, look up more information on it. They understand the game better which for me is really important for a spectator because yes, a spectator just wants a cool rally and anyone can understand that. But if you're watching on ESPN and you just see, Oh, an ACE and you're just like, okay, cool. He aced him from my pers- like from a really a player's point of view, I can look at that ACE and be like, Oh my gosh, that was an absolutely in- insane cut serve. Like he put so much cut on it. It spun away from the defender and you're like, wow, that was amazing. For me, it was fun to watch because I knew the context of it. But for you, you might be like, oh, he didn't touch the ball. Well, that was kind of lame. So as people get to know the sport more and know the intricacies, you can get more spectators so it can become something people more familiar with. Like I give the example to people. I was a baseball player, and I love to watch baseball, go, go to games. But someone who doesn't watch baseball might just want the big home run ball, where I appreciate – there's a runner on first and you drop down a bunt or there's a runner on second with no outs and let me hit a ground ball to the right side to advance the runner over. Like I'm over there, like really appreciating that. But someone's like, Oh great. He just grounded out to second baseman and got an out. But I know like, Oh, that's, I really appreciate that approach. That's a good team player right there. So it's kind of like, I think in the next two or three years, you're going to have more of that context built for people observing the sport of round net. You're going to have bigger tournaments. We're going to have full-on sponsors. I see myself still trying to compete at a high level. I don't know how much, just because my life definitely is changing with profession, uh, my professional career as a group fitness instructor and uh, trainer. And also, I just got engaged recently, so getting married. So that whole process, we'll, we'll see exactly how I'm going to turn in, um, what my professional career is turned into. But I love the community. I love the sport. I want to try to keep playing at a higher level. I just think as more people get to know the game, you're going to have more turnout. You're going to get the sponsors because people now want to watch it. So I think payouts can can be higher now. So in the next couple of years, you're going to get a lot more recognition um, and maybe even some more TV time depending on how it goes. So maybe ESPN now wants to pick it up because you're going to have more 
more uh, viewers. So I'm hoping just for some really big growth here in the next couple of years because the trend is there. It's, it's grown fast in these five years that I've I've known it. Yeah, it has. It's grown really, really fast. And it's really cool that you are one of the few people who've been able to, you know, utilize spike ball and to to be able to travel and and you've been able to compete at a high level for the sport super awesome man so whatever you decide to do in the sport of spike ball we're going to be rooting you on whether you're playing whether you're coaching whether you know if you hang them up whatever it is we're going to be rooting you on so thank you so much Jarrett, for for taking the time out of your schedule and joining us this morning and uh, basically just spotlighting the sport of spike ball and sharing your knowledge with us thank you so much for having me saying it was a true pleasure Pleasure's all mine, my man. So I appreciate you. And for all the listeners out there, you guys know we'll be back next Friday with another episode. So make sure you're hitting that subscribe button. Make sure you leave me a review. Make sure you come back. Share this with your friends and family. I hope you guys enjoyed the interview. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Guys, thanks so much for listening to another episode of my show. Now, if you could go and do me a favor, head over to iTunes, give me five stars, and leave me a review. It would be greatly appreciated. Thanks, guys. Appreciate your support.